0: What we're doing now is killing us, right? We're working real hard. We're working real hard to prove to people our value. And a lot of times these are people who will never acknowledge our value because they don't wanna see it. They don't wanna see it. They don't wanna pay for it. They don't wanna acknowledge it, right? They're scared of it. I spent all the time proving how good I am and they spend all the time looking for ways to disprove it, to say, oh, you're not that good.
1: Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast with your host, Jamila Sufrant, as a money
0: expert who walks her talk. She helps brave journeyers like you get out of debt,
1: save, invest, and build real wealth. Join her on the journey to launch to financial freedom in in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Journey to Launch is supported by First Republic Bank. A seamless banking experience is something we all want, but what does it really mean? At First Republic, it means you have access to your own personal banker, someone who knows your name and is there for you when you need them. I know at any time, I can just reach out to my personal banker, Linda, with any questions that I have. It's amazing to know that I won't get the runaround by the automated voice recordings and number prompts that lead you to a dead end, that I don't have to be put on hold for hours before I can speak to an actual person. Whether you're browsing their full suite of services or just have questions about your bank statement, you can reach out to your personal banker by phone or email and through the Best in Class banking app. See what a difference an always-on seamless banking experience can make for you. Visit firstrepublic.com today to learn more. That's firstrepublic.com. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. If you want the episode show notes for this episode, go to journeytolaunch.com or click the description of wherever you're listening to this episode. In the show notes, you'll get the transcribed version of the conversation, the links that we mentioned, and so much more. Hey, Journeyers. Welcome back to the Journey to Launch podcast. I'm really excited for you to talk to this guest or to hear this guest in our conversation. It is going to be Rashida Dow. She's the founder of Sheeta's On The Loose, and she's an expert for would-be adventurers coming out of hiding so they can take control of their dreams and finally plan their sabbatical journey. And she draws on her own experience from taking the plunge and leaving her career. I heard you were once a lawyer, Rashida, and now you are living in Mexico city, doing the damn thing, inspiring other women to go out on their own. And, you know, I'm sure men can get some things from this too, but I'm really excited to learn more about your story and for you to educate the journeyers who are listening on how they can also step into a life that's waiting for them. So welcome to the podcast.
0: Thank you. I'm so excited to be here.
1: So yay. Yay. And before we press record, I was saying that one of my friends sent me your information about, I think you were, you were profiled uh, on a site about moving to Mexico City and you were just living your dreams. I was like, all right, she sounds like a perfect person who needs to come on this podcast. And then I started to dig a little bit more. I saw that you were a lawyer and I have so many ex-lawyers or people who are lawyers who have been on the show and they switched careers or they've done something completely different. But I would love to go back to your days as a lawyer and what finally gave you the courage to quit that, to embark on your dreams.
0: I didn't really decide to leave my job. What happened was the company I was working for went out of business. And when it went out of business, I had about six months notice that my job was going away and everybody's job was going away. And in that six months, I spent a lot of time thinking about what was next I, actually, I spent a lot of time not thinking about what was next because I'd been unhappy in my job, and I didn't want to get another job that was very similar to it. And so, what I ended up doing was putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. And then when I started doing the job search, I realized that I, I hated all these jobs I was looking at. Like, I would go to interview, and I'd be like, "I don't even want to work with you. Like, what are we talking about? Why am I? Why am I here? I don't want to. I don't want to do the work you're talking about, and I don't want to work with you." And throughout my career, that had been a theme that had come up a lot. I liked the work I did nine times out of 10, but the people I worked with were usually the problem. And I know a lot of lawyers feel the same way. Clients aren't always the most awesome people. And so the idea of getting another job, doing something similar to what I was doing before, something that was making me really unhappy Something that had me going to my like going to my therapist every week, like, Girl, you won't guess what they did this week. It didn't sit well with me, and I'd always seen people taking long breaks i'm a also a yoga teacher. I became a yoga teacher eight years ago, and saw people in my sort of in my sphere of influence who were taking long breaks. they'd work for six months at a coffee shop and then go travel the world for six months and at the time, back then I was like. How are y'all doing this? What's happening? Like, I don't understand how you can just take six months off. Like, is somebody sponsoring this? How is this working that you make enough money in a coffee shop to do this? And then I realized along the way, that was none of my business. Like, I didn't need to worry about how they did it. If I wanted to do it, I needed to figure out how I could do it. And so that was, that was a point that kind of changed things for me. I was talking to my therapist, talking about how it didn't feel responsible to do this. So I know a lot of people resonate with a lot of people. It felt like this was not the kind of thing that I should be doing. I am a black woman. I am a lawyer. I have a, on paper, a great job. I know how hard it was to get here. My peers know how hard it was to get here. Like, like this is my mama knows how hard it was for me to get here. This was a challenge. This was a real challenge to be where I am And what does it look like to just walk away and take a break, but grow my mental health, right? Like Once I I looked, the first thing I did and first thing I recommend anyone considering this to do is to actually look at your finances and figure out if it's possible. Because I told myself, there's no way, there's no way, there's no way. And then I started looking at some of my accounts and I was like, ooh, there's a way. Like, I think I could do this. And then when I realized I could do it, I still talk myself out of it. I was still like, it's not responsible. Why don't I work for a year and have a plan and go after my plan? And my therapist lifesaver was like, if you don't do this now, you're never gonna do it. You're never gonna do it. Pretty much like you're BSing. Like you're lying to yourself. If you tell yourself that you have a dream, you don't have a job. My apartment, my lease was up. I'm not in a relationship. I don't have kids. If, you, like, if all of those things line up for you and you don't do it now, when are you going to do it? Like, That was really what it was. I lost my job and I didn't like the other employment options.
1: How long ago was that?
0: That was 2018. That was spring. So I found out in 2017, they were going out of business. And in April 27th, 2018 was my last day of working for anyone else.
1: Okay. Wow. Okay. I have so many questions, but I want to go back because I did read somewhere that you also got laid off in 2009. Yes. And when that happened, that's when you started to save more money. So I'd love to kind of go back and talk about what you were doing with your money, because as I know lawyers and what they've been through, especially with their student loan debt, even though maybe you were earning a high income, how were you financially managing as a lawyer when you were working. And then I would like for you to talk about that 2009 incident and how it kind of prepared you for your next layoff.
0: So I started working as a lawyer. I graduated law school and passed the bar in 2006. I started working as a lawyer in fall of 2006. And Mm -hmm. it was awesome. I mean, the money was coming. It was flowing. It was here. Yay. I bought a really cheap house that I could afford. I was actively trying To work on my finances, but I got hooked up with a financial advisor that was more interested in what she could get from a situation than my overall financial health. Like, one of the things she told me early on, and I just didn't know better, was everybody has student loan debt. So there's no point in ever trying to pay it off. Like, don't ever try, like, do other things with your money. Don't ever try to pay it off. And that could work for some people, but I hate debt. I hate debt being over my head. So that didn't work for me. So I was giving her money to invest. She was at one of those large companies that takes a big chunk. So it wasn't even like the performance wasn't even doing very well, but I wasn't paying off debt, but I was still flowing, flowing, flowing. And then in 2009, when I got laid off, um, it was (laughs) that was a job that I absolutely hated. It was terrible. Those were awful humans. I don't care if they hear this. I hate y'all. But No, I was doing commercial real estate financing work and no banks were lending to commercial lenders. And so there was no work. And so I was looking for a job at the same time they were creating their layoff plan and lying to us and saying they weren't going to lay anybody off. (laughs) At the same time they were doing that, I was looking for jobs, but there were no jobs. No one was hiring. And I looked, I looked, I couldn't find anything. So when they laid me off, I was like, okay, bye. But that led to six months of unemployment because, like I said, no one was hiring for what I did. Uh, six months of unemployment. And in that six months, I was like, I need to be serious. I've got a mortgage and I don't have a sponsor. So who's going to pay this mortgage, right? Like, I can't, I can't call my parents and say, can you pay my mortgage? So now it was low. It was when I bought my house, I was in Columbus. I bought a house for $84,000. My mortgage was like 100 and something.
1: So you were in Ohio? I was in ohio i was in
0: columbus ohio. okay so it wasn't a high mortgage but it was still like but if you don't pay it they gonna come get this like you can't skip it right so i had a paid off car i had a house that i was trying to pay and after six months i was like oh no when money starts flowing in again we're gonna have to do this differently right like i need to pay off debt because i don't ever want to feel that stress of having debt and being unemployed because you never know when these jobs, Like I said, the last job lied to me, lied to all of us and said we would never lay anybody off. And then like a month later, laid off 20% of their associates. So I recognized that this was a possibility at any point. You know, you can't rely on these employers. You can't rely on them to have your back. They laid us off and they were like, you get, we will give you, I've been there for two years. And they were like, we'll give you two weeks severance. But you have to you have to sign something that says we can say whatever we want about you, but you can never say anything bad about us. And I was like, will I sell my soul for two weeks? Like y'all are terrible humans. Will I sell my soul for two weeks? Of severance, nah. So I don't even get. I didn't even get any money on the back end. It wasn't like I was living with this pot of money that would do me
1: good. Do you remember how much student loan debt you had at the time? Uh, when I. I had loans
0: in college and I had loans in law school. I paid for everything with all I didn't get any other kind of support. The total debt at that time was over $200,000 in student loans.
1: Wow. Okay. That is, that's. It's, I'm saying wow, just because that doesn't sound actually that far off from most lawyers that I talk to. But in general, that was still a high amount. Like it's more than your mortgage was. Yes. It's more than my mortgage was. And you know, student loan
0: debt, The number never goes down.
1: Right. It compounds. Like The interest rate makes it compound. Okay. So 2009, you get laid off. It was You're blindsided and you, you're realizing, I need to get better prepared. And so this is when you start becoming better with money? Yes. What were you doing? Saving? Did you start paying off the debt faster?
0: I paying off my debt faster. I started making multiple mortgage payments a month. I know some people hate that idea. They're like, you should invest instead. But I always tell people, you have to do what's right for me. And for me, what was right was getting out of debt and being having a debt-free lifestyle. So I made multiple mortgage payments. And then when I paid off my mortgage, I put everything towards my student loans. And then it was like, okay, now this money's mine. Like any money left over after that, once I paid off all of that stuff, which took a while, it probably took me like eight years. Once I decided that like getting out of debt was my financial priority, it probably took me eight years to get out of debt.
1: Which it's, it's crazy because- you know, you made that decision in 2009 and you set yourself on this path. And then so when this happens again, you are more financially prepared more than ever because you took the lesson from the last time. And I just feel like there are people right now who maybe be going through their first lesson and it feels like it's done. And what's the point? But this lesson or whatever you're going through now is setting you up so you can make the proper changes. So the next time you are going to be so prepared to do what you want to do in life. So I just want to say that. So that's great that you did that. And I know some people, I think what's going to happen is this is going to help a lot of people who are, can relate to you, like who are maybe single women, no kids. And then I also know there's that side of, well, it's easier because you were a lawyer and you probably had a high income and also you're a single woman, but your journey still was not without sacrifice and having to make hard decisions, right?
0: Yeah, there were definitely hard decisions. There were definitely times where I was like, especially at that first job, like if I didn't need money, I would, n- I would never set foot in this building again. There were, there were sacrifices along the way. There were choices I had to make. Everyone has to make a choice with what they do with their money. And I had to make a choice just like everybody else. It's easier on paper when you don't have dependents, but just because you don't have kids don't, doesn't mean you don't have people who depend on you for money. We can't, we can't lose sight of the fact that for a lot of us, especially I'm, I am an immigrant. I am the child of immigrants. Like that, that network is kind of deep. Like you, if when you start making money, you can be kind of the bank for your family. Fortunately, it wasn't that deep. Like I did have some moments where people would come to me for money, but it wasn't like, it wasn't that big of a deal or it wasn't a regular thing. Yes. Good for you. It wasn't that big of a deal, but it's easy to look at someone and say you had a size, you had a high salary, or you don't have kids, so it's easy. But there are a lot of other, a lot of other things that play into that. A lot of emergencies. I needed a new roof, right? Like that's got to be the price of one kid for a year, right? <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> depends. Depends. <laughs> no, but it's a good point. I just think sometimes we're looking uh, at people's situations, and there are some times where you can say, well, if someone's in a relationship. It could be easier because you have two incomes more than versus one, or you have dependents that's more of a tax write-off. Like there's all these things that you can either make positive uh, check marks or make it an X that you feel drags you down. I always choose to look at even like the things that other people look at as a negativity or something that slows you down as a motivating factor, but always recognizing that there is a difference. There is uh, more hurdles that people who have more responsibilities, have less income, have to go through in order to achieve some of the things that you've done and what I've done. So let's go forward a little bit, if you don't mind, uh, because I'd love to hear like that moment. So 2019, you're like, all right, I'm not doing this. I'm not going back to work. At this point, where were you financially in terms of debt? How much did you have saved? Because I want to paint the picture of what allowed you then to do what you're doing now.
0: So it's 2018 and I had no debt. I had tried property investing. So I bought a house with my mom in Columbus to flip. And I realized I hated (laughs) property investing. Ooh, child, that was a lot of work. And so I had two houses. When I moved from Columbus back to the Bay Area, I had two houses in Columbus that were completely paid off. And I saw they both closed on the same week, closed them, ready to buy a new place in the Bay Area. And the two houses, the entire sales price, no mortgage, not paying anyone except for, you know, any realtor fees or closing costs. Nothing. There's no money coming out of that. Nothing. It's all mine. Could not pay for a down payment in the Bay Area. Like two houses sold in full. I'll never forget that, that I was like.
1: Not even, not even down payment. Not
0: even a down payment. Not even mm-hmm. down payments. So I was like, I have to save, I want a down payment. I have to save more money. So I put, I invested the money that I had. I got from my house, my half of the house sale of the investment sale and my own house invested it. And I was like, when the time is right, I'll buy a house, but I got laid off before the time was right. Right. And so I had house money. I I will never, so we talked about privilege before. I will never deny that that was a privilege, but it was also a privilege that I worked for because I worked to pay off. I made sacrifices to pay off that debt early. Right. And so that's why I had house money because I paid off my mortgage super early. Um, So I had house money that I'd been wanting to buy something with. And I was like, but if I'm not if, right? Like if I'm, I could travel the world for just a portion of this house money. And I talked myself out of it because like, but what about when I want a house and I need this money? Or what about when I run out of money or what's the next plan? And eventually I was like, you could do this. You can do this. So um, when I actually left, I'd been paying, I had been getting paid double. Let's talk about a gift. When those people laid me off, we had thousands of employees and I was one of the last two employees in the company. And so they paid me double my salary for seven months to keep me around. Now that, that was a privilege because I had house money and I had double the salary money. And so when it was time for me to go, it was like, oh, I have, I have money saved. I had probably about just under half a a million. Okay. Just under half a million dollars.
1: And this was working in Ohio or were you back in the Bay Area? I was back in the Bay Area. Back in the Bay Area. So you're probably, I'm assuming, renting. I'm renting
0: a place. Uh, My lease is up a week after my final work day and they want to raise my price. So it's real close to $3,000 a month. And I was like, this just don't make no sense, y'all. And I ended up traveling. I left with like a month's notice and I ended up traveling the world for around $3,000 a month. I have friends who've done it for $1,200 a month, travel anywhere they want to go under $1,200 a month. I spent, I didn't do a lot of advanced planning, so I spent around three. But when I compare what I spent in that year to the mental health and clarity that I gained from that year and compared it to the amount of money I still had, because people are always worried, like I help people with this all the time. I talk to people who are like, I have $400,000 saved. And I only want to travel for six months, but like, can I do that? And I'm like, yeah. Like you can you can do it if you have all this money saved, we can have all these great plans for it. But if you're unhappy in your moment and your life isn't working for you, can you invest in yourself? Right? Can you make that investment in yourself, your mental health, your well-being, and do something different than what you're doing now? Because what you're doing for a lot of us, a lot of us black women specifically. What we're doing now is killing us, right? We're working real hard. We're working real hard to prove to people our value. And a lot of times these are people who will never acknowledge our value because they don't want to see it, right? That was my problem with the law firm. Like, I am good at what I do. Let me show y'all how good I am at what I do. They don't want to see it. They don't want to pay for it. They don't want to acknowledge it, right? They're scared of it. I spent all the time proving how good I am and they spent all the time looking for ways to disprove it, to say, oh, you're not that good. The client is happy, but you should have asked for more help, even though you did it and it's closed and it's perfect. And the client is happy. You didn't call me on vacation in Hawaii to get help from me to do it. So you're getting a ding on your evaluation. And a lot of us live in that world of nonstop petty stuff. And these people are never, it's never going to get better, right? So like what do, you do for your own mental health?
1: Right. So, okay. and I can relate in some sense to the microaggressions and just living in that environment where it's just, especially where you just don't feel like you fit in and that, you know, or you're a token for them, honestly, to like show to clients that we're diverse. Like, look, here's, you know, this black uh, woman that works with us, but let's go a little bit and now to planning and what you did. So you're currently in Mexico city, but you did say that you traveled the world and I think just, practically for people thinking about this, like they may have some money invested. What were you doing? Like the money that you you used to travel the world, was that parked in your savings account? Were you taking money out of retirement accounts to do this? How, how did you structure kind of this nest egg that you built? I had a money market account, a non-retirement
0: investment account, and I took the money out of there. So when I was getting paid a lot of money <laughs> for those last few months of work, I put all the money in there. And so I had money, because I wasn't sure what I was going to do, right? Like, do I want to sign a lease in the Bay Area when I don't have a job? No, I don't want to do that. Right? That, is, that doesn't that doesn't make any sense. And so I was really never sure what I was going to do. And so when I made the decision to just go and see what happens, I had that money sitting there. I had the house money sitting there. I had retirement funds sitting there. So there was a lot to draw on. But you don't need everything that I had. And that's what I, that's the message I want people to have is like, it's great to talk about money. It's great to have a lot of money. Like, the downsides of a lot of money are very few. Like, I I don't, I don't see it, but you don't need to have all this money to make the choices that I did. Right. Um, Like I said, a friend of mine traveled for a full year on $14,000. It's not no money, but it's, it's not, you don't need a half a million dollars to do that. Right. And so recognizing that you have, Choices and you're not stuck. I felt stuck. It's it's past unhappy. These jobs were making me depressed. When I was in these jobs that were making me depressed, I felt stuck. Like my only other option is to get another job, right? Like maybe I'll find a job that I like. Maybe I won't. But there's no there's no way out because once, especially like we talked about before, you reach this level of of success on paper, and it's like, why would you ever leave this? Why?
1: Yeah. Because especially if you have a lot of people around you who are looking at it in a traditional sense, and I just heard that you are a child of immigrants, like everyone's looking at you like you made it. So why are you walking away from this to what go backwards, like to go back to where we came from and not have much and not spend a lot of money like that just seems like you're hustling backwards when that is not the point. Like you want the freedom. What if there was a way for you to save thousands of dollars so that you could spend more money on what matters to you? If you have a monthly car loan payment, chances are you're paying too much on your vehicle loan. approve can help you refinance your current car loan so that you can lower your monthly payment, get a better rate, or both. approve connects vehicle owners with the best available rates to refinance their current car loans with no markups ever, and even handles the DMV paperwork making it simple to save thousands and lower your monthly payments. Check this out. In 2021, auto-approved customers saved on average $1,692 per year. What would you do with that much money back in your pocket? Me? Ooh, I'd probably take a solo staycation at a local hotel or hire the babysitter more for some date nights out with hubby. It's time for you to put more money back into your pocket to spend on the things that matter to you. Get more money for what matters to you the most with Auto Approve. Find out how much you can save at autoapprove.com slash journey to launch. That's A-U-T-O-A-P-P-R-O-V-E dot com slash journey to launch. How did you decide ultimately on Mexico City where you are now? Like talk me through that process of making that choice.
0: So it's funny. I visited Mexico City twice during my career break. And I think maybe once before that. And on the second time I was here with a good friend of mine and we were in our hotel and we left to go take a walk and we were walking around. It was so beautiful. I looked around, I looked up and I said, why don't I live here? And she looked at me. This is someone who's known me for a very long time. So she could do it. She looked me dead in the eye and said, why don't you? And it was just like this deadpan response of like, tell me like, why don't you live here? And I was like, wait, I could I can just move because it sounds so... Like I know the idea of leaving the U.S. and moving abroad is getting more popular now than it was years ago. But 2018, when I was planning on leaving, I wasn't seeing people like me taking career breaks. And I wasn't seeing people like me moving abroad when it wasn't for a job, when it was just to like, I don't want to live in the U.S. anymore, right? Like I love it. Not even that. I love this city. I love being in this city. I want to live in this city. I can just move to another country because I like the city. People do that? I was like, oh, wait. And then, so that was January, 2019. And in May of 2019, when my year of traveling was over, I moved to Mexico City and had some some setbacks. I had to end it back in the US for a year when coronavirus was raging and I had to have surgery. Long story, irrelevant to this. But I got my residency in June of 2021. So I'm a legal resident now. Um, it's a temporary residency, so I have to renew it once a year for four years and I can get permanent residency. But yeah, like, like I, I legit live here now. This is my home.
1: Wow. So did you know anyone living there um, before you got there that you had like this inbuilt network or you had to create that when you got there?
0: I created that, but your people are everywhere. You belong everywhere and your people are everywhere. I moved down here. I reached out. You got to rely on some of these Facebook groups. I reached out in Facebook groups to people. I found people that I liked. One of my closest friends down here. I posted on Instagram, but I was going to get some pie, and she was like, "I'll go with you." And like three years later, we're still friends.
1: You didn't know her then. I didn't know her. Right.
0: She was like, I'll, "Pie, I'll go." And now we're like, you know, we're Mexico City besties. And it, it's literally like that. You. You don't have a network, but you can create your own networks. Just like you may it's, think of it as like kindergarten, like just like you made friends in kindergarten. Like it's that easy to make friends in a new city because other people don't have their built in networks either. Right. It's not like you're trying, you moved to a city where everyone's established and everyone's lived here for 30 years and no one wants to talk to the new girl. It's not like that. It's like everybody is reasonably new, whether they've been here seven years or seven months like everyone's like, hey, you're here. They understand what you're going through. Like when you're new to a city, no matter what city it is, and they, they want you to succeed. 99 times out of 100, when I talk to an, another expat, they want to see all the other expats they come in contact with Pro- prosper. We want to see you win, right? Like you, if you made this move, we, we want you to win.
1: Do you think there's a certain personality trait that allowed you to be able to take this leap by yourself? Because I have friends who like, I know why I can't do this, like, because I I do feel a little tied down, you know, and not in a bad way, but just a responsibility. Like I have three small kids, I have a husband who has his own career. And so for me, just like get up and leave, like it's a bigger conversation. And I'm not saying it can't happen, but it's harder. But I have friends who are single and They talk about wanting more freedom and then, but ultimately, like, I don't know that they have the personality or the desire, the real desire to do what you did. So I'm wondering if there's something about you, um, whether like you feel like you're an extrovert, like you don't mind talking to people and making new friends. Like, what is it about you that you feel like you were comfortable enough to like do this on your own? I'm an
0: introvert, but I'm not scared of anything. That's a trait I get from my mama. Like I'll figure it out. And no matter what happens that I think that's my trait and my career break prepped me for moving really well, because when you're traveling the world for a year, things are going to go wrong. You're going to have to pivot. And so being able, able to adapt, being able to pivot, that was really key for me. And so, but there are situations where it doesn't feel like you can pivot. Like I always, I talk to people who are in jobs that don't deserve them. Right. And it might feel like you can't pivot but it's there, right? Like you might have, it might not look like what you expect it to look like, but the pivot is there even for you, right? Like it might not look like what what we're talking about or what you expect it to look like, but the pivot is there if you look for it. And often like for me, the pivot was there because I didn't have a choice, right? Like I had to do something, I lost a job. Like I did not have a job, I had to do something. And sometimes that's what it comes down to. Like these friends, maybe they need that moment of like, oh, no, I have to do something differently, right? Like, like I, I walked into my office today and flipped the desk, right? Like I got to do something <laughs> differently, right? It, it might be just that they need that moment of saying this, what I'm doing now isn't working, or I don't want this anymore. And I talked to a lot of women who are in that point of like, I don't want this anymore. It's not what I want. How do I get something new?
1: Yeah, it's like your big breaking point moment or your back's against the wall. I know like my back was against the wall when I was having my third and I was like, I'm not going back to work after maternity leave. Like this has to be my deadline. And that was my kind of like, you're going to do this. I don't care what it looks like, but you have to get this done. Uh, so I totally, totally understand that. Now in terms of someone now listening and saying, okay, Rashida, I, I, love, I love what you're saying. Like I am not happy in my job. I want to take a break let's talk about the different ways to think about setting up a break because some of it like I, we talk, I talk about financial independence retire early a lot um that's what i first started out and what i wanted to do like just quit forever and not ever have to go back to work and then as i started on the journey i thought to myself there can be a more balanced approach where maybe it's not not working forever but it's more now i'm actually doing something i love so it doesn't matter how long i work i mean i can still have the option to retire but it's not running away from something how can someone now um, who has some options in front of them or who wants to create options, think about this, should they stay in a job maybe and think about just the income and saving and investing for a certain amount of time so that they could forever quit? Or should they be looking at it more as how can I take more breaks within my career so that I can have a more balanced life? Like how would you approach that and how should someone approach that?
0: I think it depends on their goals. So for me and for a lot of the people I talk to, it is, For my mental health, I need to make a change in like the next year. Like in the next, whatever money I got in the next year is the money I need to live with because I don't have more than a year of this left in me. And for other people, like you said, maybe they just need a six month break now. And then another three months, another six month break. So for people who aren't like on the edge of a mental health crisis (laughs) or, or a physical crisis too, because we don't talk about that a lot, but like the stress that we endure at these jobs it eats into our bodies, right? I know a lot of people who are like, who are actually sick until they quit. And they're like, oh, I feel better now. I'm like, yes, your job was trying to kill you, girl. But for people who don't want to maybe take a long-term break, I always recommend put space between the old job and the new job, right? Like if you're going to start something new, take a month off, take six weeks off. So often we hear people quitting one job or getting a new job and giving themselves a weekend in between. And then when the new job doesn't want to approve your vacation time, now you're mad because you haven't had a vacation in like two and a half years. Like you need more time for yourself.
1: That makes sense. And I'm just thinking financially, like how does a, how does one prepare for that? Should they hold off? Let's just say they weren't as financially stable as you. So they still had debt and responsibilities that they had to pay for and now they are about to switch jobs. Like, should they forego? And this, I know this is a more personal question. I have an answer also that I can give once you're done, but should they forego investing and saving so that they could re- create that space and pay for the thing they want to do for six months?
0: I would say, see if you can kind of split it up. So if you have debt, like, depends on how you feel about debt, right? Like I didn't like having debt over my head. If you're okay with some debt while you go, like take care of you, For a lot of people, that means healing. That means going and really like looking deeply into what they need. If you are okay with debt, okay, don't, don't like supercharge paying off your debt. Put some money aside for living expenses. But what also tends to happen is a lot of people move to lower cost of living cities and countries, and so their cost of living is already lower. So when they, if they take a break, and they're actually like moving somewhere, if their cost of living is lower. If they're doing anything for income, maybe it's not the old job, maybe they're working a part-time job or a remote job or something, or they're building a business or they've built a business. Um, if there's any income coming in, you don't need as much, generally need as much income as you did in the US. And so you can work less for probably a higher uh, standard of living and still service the debt the way you were before. And so it's thinking about what are the different ways you can look at the money you have and the money you will have in the future to create a plan that works for you. And you're right. It's very, very personal. It's going to depend on what they have. But for someone who can have $1,000 coming in a month, there are a number of cities you could move to right now. And $1,000 a month would be enough to take care of you. And I know people who have children with them who are traveling and living on under $1,000 a month in different cities around the world. And it's like, I I know a woman who works, I think she works six hours a week and it pays for her and her son, right? So she's not retired. She hasn't quit the job, but she works six hours a week and it pays for her and her son.
1: Right. Now, this is why it's also so important to get like a clear sense of where you are financially, like the big picture. And I think sometimes we look at our finances in silos, like we only look at the debt. We only look at maybe how much we have saved. The full picture will give you a better idea of what is actually happening And like in my case, like I was fine with pausing investing and saving once I decided to quit my job, and I gave myself while I was pregnant to switch strategies. Instead of putting all our money into investment accounts, it was like we got to put money into like an FU account now to help cover expenses while I'm building up the business. Like that is fine with me because it's worth it. And so there may be some points we have to make a decision on. This is going to be worth for me to pause. And one of the reasons why it was okay for me to pause this is because when I ran the calculations is that ultimately something called Coast FI, so I'll just quickly define that, meaning we would reach our financial independence goals or we would be okay in our standard retirement age if we no longer even invested in our retirement accounts because they had that much in it where they could compound over time for the next 30 years. So it wasn't as much as it could be if I kept investing over time, but it was just enough where we wouldn't be on the streets. For me, that was enough and a good enough safety net to take the leap because I said to myself, then that means we only have to make enough money to pay for our living expenses. And I think if if you start thinking like that and if you are in a job right now and you want to maybe it's not immediate that you have to leave, but you're thinking, you know what, I want to do what Jamila and Rashida is talking about in the next three years. Then you can start like looking at your full financial picture and planning ahead and saying, how much would I need? while I'm traveling or building up this business and how much do I already have saved and invested? And if I were to stop investing for a little bit just to take this sleep, where does that put me in the next 20, 30 years? Will I still be okay? So there's a lot of stuff to talk through with that, but I just think it's important to think about.
0: But I find that a lot of people don't wanna look at the numbers. And it was, it was like that for me, girl. When I was laid off, I was like, I don't need to know how, like men stop talking to me. How do I turn off these notifications? What's going on? Like, it's hard when you think it's going to be bad news. It's really hard to look at the numbers, like the total holistic financial picture. But it's for most people I find out it's typically better than they think it is. Like our brains tell us that like, you ain't got no money. You ain't got no backup. Like sissy broke, right? Like that's what our brains tell you. And then a lot of times you look at numbers and you're like, but I'm not right? Like I got a, little, got a little change here, got a little change there. That debt isn't as bad as I thought it was. The interest rate isn't terrible, but it takes facing it to know what you can do. It takes facing the numbers to say, okay, this is what's possible in my life now.
1: Yes. I love that. And I find that too. People are more afraid. It's like that boogeyman, like the thing you think is under your bed, but it's like not really there and it's keeping you stuck more than it needs to. One of the things that I love, I was watching something that you did on your YouTube channel, I think, and you talked about the difference between being productive and I think feeling productive. And I think what's happening for some people when they hear about financial independence, retire early and not working, like this idea of not working, it turns them off completely because we've been socialized in this environment um, in this capitalistic society that we should always be working and proving our worth. And so the idea of not doing anything is foreign. and even for me sometimes if i 'm like just not doing anything i'm like there's something I should be doing. so talk a little bit about that. I love how you explained it
0: so for a lot of us, we like you said we've been trained that doing something our highest value is what we create. our highest value is what we produce. I recognize very early in my career that all of my job, my jobs were just making rich people richer, right? And for a lot of us, it's going to be the same thing. Like at the core of your job, what do you do? You make rich people richer. Like I know someone's like, no, I work at a nonprofit and I, fine. But like for most of us, we make rich people richer. And so this doesn't work unless we're being told that there's there's some like nobility in that, that we have to be productive. Because if, if you look at your job like that, I'm just making rich people richer. It has significantly less value, right? Like it, it means a lot less unless you're one of the rich people. We've been sort of tricked into believing that like, hi, my name's Rashida and I'm a lawyer is important as opposed to like, hi, I'm my name's Rashida and I just started watching Ozarks two days ago and I love it. And so who we are, what our jobs are, what our titles are, who we work for, what we produce is seen as important in this society. And that makes it really hard to let go of to go from, I am a lawyer, I'm a lawyer who works for BMW, right? To, I just chill. I'm just traveling. I'm just traveling. It's fine. Right. Is hard. So it's one of those things of when people talk about retirement, one of the questions I got the other day was, why would you even retire from life? And I'm like, what does retire from life mean? Like I'm still breathing. I'm still doing yoga. I'm still eating snacks every afternoon. Like what, are, like what, what, Why do you equate work with life so much that the idea of retiring from work means retiring from life in your mind? And how did you type that out I think that made sense, right? You type that out and you press send because retiring from work means retiring from life, right? Like, that's just ugly. It's kind of of ugly. And I'm not blaming anyone individually. We've been brainwashed into thinking that like, what we do, what we produce, what we create is our highest value. And it's not, like you're valuable just by being. And I I have this message. And I I mean, Black woman, I'm here for you all day long. This is my message to you. and Everybody else who wants to hear it too. But like, you are valuable just by being on this planet, no matter what you do, no matter who you are, no matter what your past says, right? You are valuable and you, I value you. You don't have to prove it. You don't have to do anything to be of value. You don't have to create anything. You don't have to get a job. You don't have to get another certificate. You're a value and you deserve a life of ease simply because you were put on this planet, right? Like I am a firm believer. I was not put on this planet to work. I don't know about y'all. I do not believe all the things that had to go r- right. I'm gonna call it right. All the things that had to line up perfectly and go right for me to be born so I can make rich people richer. That does not make sense.
1: Are you familiar with the nap ministry? Yes. So what she talks about, and I'm still digging into her content, but I love it. It talks just much just about how much our ancestors worked and how much they didn't have the luxury of rest and how like it's our time. And you know, I, I can't I can say that I, I agree with you. Um, <laughs> have, if you hear that, that's construction happening in my background, but we're gonna have to work through this, guys. But I completely understand and I hear you. And but it's also met with this idea, like my pushback, my immediate like pushback when I catch the person inside of me talking and pushing back on what you just said is. But it takes effort. It takes work to get to where we got to. Like we have the luxury now of saying we want to rest because we are women who have established themselves, who have the nest egg already, who went to school, who got the education. And we toiled and we did do a lot to get that, which for me is true. And I think for you is true. How do we tell someone who's younger or who's starting out like that? They don't have to do all the work we did when the work we did put us financially to benefit in this way. Right. So I'm not saying that it's
0: not work. I'm saying that it's, we might not need to do as much work as we think. Like I said, my friend traveled the world on for, for a year on $14,000 and came back to like six bucks in her bank account. Right? Like there was no nest egg. She had $14,000 and she spent it all on the road, all of it, all gone. But she came back renewed. She came back, worked a job again, and then left again, right? Because she knew that a lifetime of labor wasn't for her anymore. So she was going to work to make money to take these breaks. I think we all have to make the choice of what is of most importance to us. And we have to walk boldly towards that. So if living in another country is... Of most importance to you, for whatever reason you would choose that, then how do you make that happen? How? What are the bold steps you can take towards it? And that's going to look different for everybody. But is it going to look like laboring for twenty years? No, right? Like it doesn't. It could, but it doesn't need to. And so the amount of labor required is going to depend on what you decide is the highest priority for you. If Getting a newer McMansion every three years and a brand new car every two years is of highest priority to you. I'm not knocking it, but that sounds like a lifetime of labor to me. What are the things you can do? Can you build a business that does not require 40 hours of work a week from you? Can you maybe work part-time at a salary that allows you to work you know, one, two, three days a week and that's it? What are the things that you can do to meet your dream that allows you to step out of working, backbreaking work, or mentally exhausting work every day until you're 65? Because really, that's what that is the thing that I'm saying you don't have to do, right? You don't have to work every day until you're 65, like these people have told you. So, how do you back up from that? What are the other options available to you? And they're going to look different from everyone, right? Maybe that's a year off every Three years. Maybe it's working remotely from wherever you want. Maybe it's three weeks off between every new job and you get new jobs frequently because that can bump up your salary. Whatever that choice is, how do you not fall into the I have to work every day at a job I hate until I'm 65 because that's what I was told, right? Like that's what I want us to free ourselves from.
1: And it's like what you're saying just added some more clarity is that we talked before about you're working to make someone else rich and that's what most people are doing. But when I mentioned that we worked hard to get to where we are and to give ourselves that stability, we were also, maybe we had to play that game and work in that corporate environment to make someone else rich. But at the same time, we were investing in ourselves. Like that's the difference. Like the people who are uh, just working to get by and are unhappy and not pouring into themselves in some way, whether that's your education, your mental health, fitness, whatever that looks like for you. But putting yourself, like you're getting something out of this too. Like, you're not going to be chewed up and spit out dry by the time you're done in in corporate America or in any situation. You know, it's a tango. You unfortunately have to do it for now. You're doing what has to be done, but you are building yourself up in the meantime to do something else.
0: So, the other trick part of that is, and I mentioned it with houses and cars, what we're told is that things, getting things is the answer. Getting things. But things, you just got to work harder for things, right? Things, you got to buy a new house with a bigger closet because you've done 20 unboxings of your fancy purses online, right? Like, like the things are nice. And I, I, I am, (laughs) I say I'm a maximalist. Like I am not a minimalist. I am a person who loves things, but they're not my highest priority in life. Living a peaceful life. I have a business. I do not talk to anybody. I don't want to talk to nobody. That is my internal claim to fame. That is the thing I'm proudest of myself after working for a decade of people I didn't like now, mm -mm. if I don't want to talk to you, we don't talk. Well, well, no, like that's, that is at the core of my business because that was my priority. Like I want a, I want to build a business that's easy, that I am not hustling. I, I am not a sleep when you're dead person. I am not a hustle around the clock person. I am a snacks and naps in the afternoon person. And so how do I do that, right? Like, how do I have that life? How do I build that? And it means less things that I might've had early in my legal career, right? Like it means less things than I might've had early, but it's more happiness and it's more contentment because I've chosen to always be walking towards my priority. My, I know what my priorities are with my money and I, I want to live a life. That allows me to put them first and put myself first.
1: Yeah. Boundaries. You said you were good at boundaries before. And I will attest to this, uh, everyone listening and watching, because I know that we reached out to you late, like last year to come on the show. And I think my um, assistant, she came back and she was just like, oh, like she's not doing any more interviews right now. She's like, check in early, check in Q1. And I was like, okay, I actually love when people do that. Because I'm just like, it shows me more of how I should respond to people when I don't want to do things. And, or I'm just taking a break. And I just want to mention that as a prime example of you were, you're, we're still talking. You're still going to be on the show. And it wasn't about feeling like you were missing an opportunity, which I feel like so many of us feel like, like if we're asked to do something, or put in a position, we have to say yes, even though our soul and like our body is saying no, and we need rest or we wanna do something else. And it's just a testament to our conversation that you said, not today, <laughs> check in next year. And, in, and to me, that's just, that's so strong. And you walking the talk of what you're saying about boundaries and really doing what you wanna do.
0: Yeah, it's, it's hard. So I, the reason I did that was because I took all of December off. I made the decision that I was not working in December. And so no matter what, a couple of things came my way and I was like, we'll talk about it in the new year. I'm not even gonna try to schedule something in December for the next year. Nope, like I'm not checking email, I'm not doing anything, I know this. And that for me plays into the life I want, right? Like I have created this life of ease after a life of labor, right? Like I put in my time and now I have a much easier life. But like you said, it required money, But how much money it requires for you is going to be different. Like I said, in the very beginning, I was looking at those chicks who worked in a coffee shop and were taking six months off, like, how y'all pay for this? And then I realized that's not my business. How can I pay for it was my business. The only thing I need to worry about is what do I want and how can I pay for it? How can I make it work? And so I would say for everyone else out there, like, if you hear someone doing something, to your point, Mila, earlier of like, oh, well, they have this big chunk of money. Yes, but like, what can you do? What do you like about what they're doing? What can you emulate? And what can you do with the amount of money you have now? Like look for the possibilities instead of saying, I don't have their resources. Because I have been in the, I don't have their resources days. And I know what that's like, but it's not helpful. It's not productive. It does not move you forward. What moves you forward is saying, let me check my budget. Let me see how much money it would really take to live in Thailand for six months. And then let me see what I can do, right? Instead of saying, well, I don't have the money they have, so that can never happen for me.
1: It's the biggest strength. And I think reason for what it looks like your success and even mine, if you know, I could say that because I just wrote down the what is important to see, like, like the what exposes you to what's possible. And the how, yes, it's cool to learn the how from someone. That's kind of like what we're talking about here. What I hope this inspires someone to do is say, wow, the what is, look at what Rashida did. And the how, like I'm learning a little bit. And even if you don't relate to the how, you create your own how. You take what you need, you leave what you don't, but you create your own how. You piece together the inspiration that you're seeing and you see that it's actually possible for someone to do this. Let's see how you can make it possible for yourself to do this. Yeah. In terms of what your life looks like now. So even though, would you consider yourself financially independent or like you don't have to work ever again? Or do you kind of feel like you're in that almost there stage? And then what are you doing for work and money while you're in Mexico City? I don't have to work anymore. I I started saying it recently, so I'll say it here. Last
0: December, I would have had over a million invested. Now it's less. Um, I'm trying to be more transparent talking about money. It's not the most money in the world, right? But I I don't need more than that now. And to your point earlier, it will compound. It will get bigger. I will have more money. Come on, stock market. Do your thing, right? But I do. I do work. But the work I do, they are passion projects. So when I started traveling the world, women started reaching out to me and saying, like, I want to quit my job and travel too. Like, how do you do that? Or like, I am planning a six month trip, but these are my worries. How can I get around this? And so uh, what started out of that are two businesses. One in which I um, is a solo business. I run it myself. I help women move abroad and take career breaks. So I do one-on-one coaching. I have a course. And then another one, I started a summit with my very good friend, Stephanie Perry. We do an annual summit called Exodus Summit. And that is for black women who want to move abroad or take career breaks. We have a Facebook group as well. We give you the information you need and the inspiration. Because a lot of times, like you said earlier, like I can't speak to mothers who are moving with children, but I know women who can. And so we bring them on and say, like, this is how we did it. I can't speak to women who had low-paying jobs who did it. In a lot of ways, everyone's life is going to seem familiar to someone and unrecognizable to other people. And so we grab a variety of women. We put us all together and we say like, who can you draw inspiration from? You're not not going to draw inspiration from everybody, but like, who can you draw inspiration from? Like, let's talk about this. So we've done, someone's been running for two years. The first year was really um, very educational. We talked about different countries and different places to go. And the second year we had women who attended the summit the first year and then moved abroad, right? Or took a career break in the year after attending the summit. And we had them come back and speak to their experience about traveling, about moving abroad, about like giving it all all up and starting over. It was kind of amazing. So two passion projects, I do them because I love them. I also have the boundaries that make sure that I don't do more work than I want to. I don't talk to anyone I don't want to. I value my peace. And as long as these businesses support my peace, I will support the businesses when they don't. I'll just dig into those (laughs) non-retirement investment
1: accounts. I take some money out and be somewhere else for a few months. I love it. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love this. I know for sure. Um, there's going to be a lot of people uh, loving you and wanting to hear more from you. So where can they find you?
0: Okay. You can find me at my new website. It is Rashida com. That's R O S H I D A D O W E.com. I also have a guide, a sabbatical planning guide. You 10 steps if you want to plan a sabbatical or a career break. You can grab that. Tamila, uh, will you be able to link that?
1: Yes, I'm, I'll link that in the show notes. So whatever, um, Rashida, you'll send it to me. And then if you're listening to this, you can find the show notes where I've just clicked more, click the arrow description, go to the website when the epi- episode comes out, and I'll link all her information so you can follow up. It's truly like my joy
0: in life is to see women who are like, I didn't think this was possible, but now me and my kids. And my husband, every once in a while, are uh, you know we're, we've moved abroad or we're we're traveling around the world, and it's it's amazing because one last point I want to make: most people, when I talk to them, are scared about what the return looks like. That's the biggest fear. Will I get the job? What will life be like? Will I? Will it be hard? All these things, but then they never end up returning, right? Like the biggest fear—that was the biggest fear for me too. Like. Will, if I take a year off, will I still be taken seriously in my industry? And then like six months into the time off, I was like, I'm never working for not one of y'all again. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I did not know what I was going to do for money, but I knew it was not going back to the same industry, to the same type of employment. It was not going to happen. And then I realized I couldn't work for anybody. I can't, I can't work. I'm, I have been broken. I cannot work. (laughs) Same, same. (laughs) And that's what happens to most people is when they take this, when you get six months off, a year off of working, you're like going back to work, clocking in? No.
1: Yeah. Being on someone else's time like frame and having to be somewhere like that, I choose where I show up and where I want to be. I Oh my gosh, Rashida, this has been amazing. Thank you. Thank you for having me.